This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll, brought to you by Crooked Eye Brewery in the heart of Hapro, pouring the cure for what ails you since 2014. I'm Ray Coob. I'm Marcus in the Darkest. And this is an episode of Birthday Twins, number five. Number five? Where has the time gone? This is a concept we cooked up because of a couple obvious birthday twins, like Keith Richards and Bobby Key, say. But we started looking around and we found out that there are a lot more birthday twins out there, people born on the same date in the same year in rock and roll than we ever really thought there would be, right? I can't believe how many birthday twins we have found over the last year, year and a half since we started doing this. Every couple of weeks, one of us is like, uh, guess what? There's another birthday twin. Found one. How? I don't know. It just popped up somehow. It just showed up on the interwebs. So. And so we put them on this big list of birthday twins that we have. And one day, I think you put a pair in there, and I put a pair in there. And when I was looking at them, I'm like, they're both at the end of November 1950. In fact, just four days apart, two sets of rock and roll birthday twins that I think you're going to find to be really fun and hysterical and you think about the connections and the mental gymnastics you have to do to connect them but it's all about birthday twins on this episode of the podcast and uh, the first one we want to go to is a pair of rock and rollers born on November 18th 1950 that makes them 70 and they're both still with us too born an ocean apart one in England they call it Hackney the other, born in Havana, Cuba. Remember when we had Prince Stash on the podcast and he had this impressive name? His name is so long, both of us had to spell it. One half of the first part of this week's Birthday Twins has him beat. <laughs> One half? He was born Rodolfo Maximiliano Sarzo Laviel Grande Ruiz Pere y Chaumont. What? That's what his mama called him. We call him Rudy Sarzo. I am curious as to how his stage name became Rudy Sarzo out of all of those names together. How he chose Rudy Sarzo. Well, Rodolfo in yeah. uh, in Spanish is, is Rudolfo in Italian, and that's Rudy. Yep. And the Sarzo is actually in there in his name. It's a third word in. So he just picked it out. He could have been Max Grand. He could have been Max <laughs> Chaumont. He could have been Laviel Chaumont. He could have been uh, Rudy Grand. So I, there's so many combinations that he could have chosen. <laughs> So true, my friend. So true. So Rudy Sarzo is one half of the uh, first half of the birthday twins, or as you would call them, Max Grande. <laughs> By all accounts, not only at age 70, all recent pictures included say that he's still one handsome son of a bitch. He's one of the best looking guys in rock and roll and has been part of some of the most seminal hard rock records in, in the history of rock and roll with uh, his role in multiple bands. He has such an impressive catalog of music behind him. He deserves all of his accolades because of not only the fact that he played on him, he's an incredible musician, and he is definitely a fine-looking 70-year-old man for sure. <laughs> and I got to say, 
with all that he's done, from all accounts, from people that we know mutually, one of the nicest guys, one of the coolest guys in rock music, Rudy Sarzo, he's the bass player on Come On, Feel the Noise. From Quiet Riot's Metal Health. The title track of that is him, too. You know, those hits for Quiet Riot. Mama, we're all crazy now. Yeah. He was on the, the Condition Critical, Live and Well, and Guilty Pleasures album there. He played with Ozzy on Speak of the Devil. Now, he's a bass player. Did he write music with Ozzy as well? Because Ozzy likes to write with the bass players. If you don't have that info in front of you, I can't help you right now because where I'm looking is just that what we're focused on today. But I don't know is always a safe answer, isn't it? <laughs> it is, which when it comes to I don't know, that means Research we need. Research <laughs> That is the truth. Let's see. Here we go. While we're waiting for the research department to get back to us, I have a story about what was going on when uh, Rudy was with Ozzy uh, during the uh, period after Randy Rhodes had passed. They had gotten Bernie Torme in the band, and everybody agreed it wasn't working out. So they actually recruited Brad Gillis, and he came in, and he and Rudy really worked closely together. He helped to teach him the song so that he could try to – past the audition, I guess, to be the guy. And Brad stayed with them for a while and helped Ozzy to bridge that gap and uh, with a guy who could really, you know, hold up to it. So he also played that seminal role in rock and roll history as uh, an aide de force, if you will, uh, to help out Ozzy in a tough time there. And look at the people he played with on uh, Ozzy's tribute record. It's Gillis and Rudy Sarzo, Tommy Aldridge on drums, and of course, you know, Oz. And that's a tribute to Sab as a solo record, which is all another story. And he also played on Slip of the Tongue, along with Aldridge on drums again and Steve Vai on guitar, uh, the big album from Whitesnake. with deal no need to look so afraid jump jump on the tiger you feel his heart but you know he's free something I can never be seen he played with deal for a while I don't think I met him then but he uh, was on Holy Diver Live playing with an all-star band of people who I've worked closely uh, with Dio, including Simon Wright on drums and Doug Aldrich on guitar. He's worked with everybody, and lately he works with the Guess Who, working with them on the road and stuff, always in demand, like Kenny Aronson. When when this whole business is rolling, guys like Rudy Sarzo and Kenny Aronson go on the road. They're on the road all the time. They're in demand all the time, like Wadi Wachtel, right? These are people who are always in demand, and most of them are sitting home. A lot of them are doing some online music, recording and whatnot, and we're all pulling for all of them. So there's one half of uh, the first half of our birthday twins today. Anything else you want to talk about with Mr. Sarzo? I'm just going to call him Mr. Sarzo, or should it be Senor Sarzo? Senor because, or Mr. Because Grand. I'm not doing that whole name again. That's a long one, man. I don't know what else to say other than the fact that he has been one of the quiet guys in rock and yeah. roll as far as that goes. He doesn't have a lot of flash he just plays great he really is an important member of whatever band he plays and i mean ozzy's taking him to tour live dio's taking him live that tells you a lot about his ability and his skills and these guys expect a lot from the musicians that play behind them and sarzo's one of those guys who wants to deliver that so it's a win-win for everybody and the fact that he's still doing what he's doing at 70 says a lot about who he is and about his skills. Also born on that same day as Rudy Sarzo in Hackney, East London, England, Graham Parker was born. He was a good young lad, went to secondary modern school in Surrey, but after the Beatles, Graham Parker, he was one of those kids that realized they had to be in a band, man. Formed a young band called the Deep Cut Three. 
And then they became the Black Rockers. Can you see this? You know, at that time, teenagers all forming bands because the Beatles were so badass. So cool. I can only imagine the excitement of England and the world at that time. He was one of those kids who went to the clubs, snuck in so that he could see uh, soul music performers. He loved Otis Redding, Motown, ska music. He left school and started getting totally into being into music. Took a bunch of jobs. And then after leaving and coming back to England, I mean, this guy worked glove factories. You know what I mean? He was really Mm -hmm. like a lot of the kids in in, in the rock and roll stories, like the guys in Sabbath, they all worked in factories, did all kinds of shit before they formed the band. You know, Grant Parker is in that life in England in the late 60s, early 70s, you know, working his way into the world. And while he's working, his skills are improving, starting to play songs in local bars like a lot of people do and did then to get themselves known and pick up a few bucks or a few pints, right? One of the bands that played in that bar was called Pegasus. I've heard that name before, but I don't know much about them. They, they asked Parker to join them because they thought he was pretty good, so he played with them for a while. And such was the rock and roll world of that time, Marcus, that they actually did a one-off show in Gibraltar and Tangier, Morocco. <laughs> I mean, this isn't like the biggest band of the world or anything like that people all know you know, as a household name, but still, the opportunities were there. And Parker was taken, Graham Parker, on his way to a Crossroads with the remainder of Brinsley Schwartz. That was a band that was making their go. And as I walk on through troubled time, my spirit gets so downhearted sometimes, sometimes. So where are the strong? Who are the trusting? Where is the heart of me, sweetheart, God, each time I feel it slipping away, it just makes me want to cry. So what's so funny about peace, love, and understanding? Uh, Their guitarist was pretty good, and their manager was pretty good. He and Graham Parker kind of hooked up and started connecting people together. Their connection point, like a lot of musicians in the English scene, a magazine ad, a melody maker, seeking like-minded backing musicians was the ad. One of those, right? (laughs) And and one of the people who answered the ad was uh, Noel Brown guitarist who lived in London. He introduced him to Paul Riley, the bass man. He was in Chili Willy and the Red Hot Peppers. I wonder if the Chili Peppers knew then. I was thinking that too. Did they just take <laughs> that and change the name of their band through that? Up sailing! <laughs> so they kind of all connected there and Brown started getting him gigs. And it came around to one of those things. Hey, I think you should meet this David Robinson. Now, he was a manager of Brinsley Schwartz who were now broken up, but Brinsley was still a available and a couple of the other guys in the band are still available and all of a sudden the rumor starts to pull together and in 1976 they release a a couple albums that made noise each of them had songs they got them on the radio and in the u.s they started to get a little attention um, with the heat treatment record in the title track but it was 1977 stick to me that really caught this youngster looking for new music right in the short and curlies man it was like a kick to the nuts when i heard this record Grand Parker and the Rumor, Stick to Me. You were listening to it, filled with all these amazing songs that just really scream of the era, running concurrent to punk and everything else that was going on there in 1977. Not really a punk band, not really that kind of a vibe. A little bit of soul, a little bit of R&B to it. Their live album, uh, Park Gorilla, is mandatory listening if you want to find out what I'm talking about. So go find all that on Spotify. Then they also, see, I'm geeking. Then they do Squeezing Out Sparks in 79, and they become really popular. That's probably when you might have first heard of them. But by then, they were already a band that I was deep into. I've got like five of their records in my collection. And through the years, Parker continued to perform after the breakup of the rumors, made albums through the years, and as recently as 2018 when he released Cloud Symbols as Graham Parker and the Gold Tops. Graham Parker, the other half of our first set of Birthday Twins. 
I don't know a lot about Graham Parker. I've heard songs over the years. I've never seen him live. His music has been played at parties that I've gone to, and I've had friends like yourself who have really enjoyed his music over the years. But he seems in a lot of ways a little like Southside Johnny to the Bruce Springsteen band because he was part of the Stiff Records crew with Nick Lowe and Elvis Costello. And he was like their baby brother who was probably a little more talented than them in songwriting but didn't get the mainstream recognition. Until the end of the 70s and then a couple things he did in the early 80s. He had a couple really big hits in there. uh, And I think that helped him personally in the scheme of things. But Mm -hmm. you're right. You're right. They are considered much bigger figures, especially in the stiff uh, universe, in the stiff little universe. Yep. Uh, (laughs) Great ads, by the way. Their ads uh, were phenomenal. Their buttons were the best, too. Yes, they were. But that's kind of where those two came from and what they did. And honestly, Marcus, I looked around and I didn't see anything that would connect them musically, a tour, a friendship mentioned, uh, you know, those kind of things happen that we don't always see. And it's all because we come from different perspectives. He comes from England and goes out to the world where, you know, Rudy's born in Cuba, comes to this country, uh, does like a lot of young musicians do, makes his way to California, makes all the right connections, meets the right guys. And in between the stuff we talked about, Sarzo does a lot of other session work that we just don't have time to talk about because it's unlimited, sure, on the internet, but we know attention spans are limited. Thank you, and <laughs> thanks for listening to the Imbalance History Rock and Roll Birthday Twins number five. I say we take a, a break for a pint at Crooked Eye, and then we come back and talk about the Birthday Twins who were born four days later in that same year. We're talking about 1950 births on Birthday Twins on the Imbalance History. I don't know what's going on, Marcus. Uh, let's see. This has never happened before. Hello. 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 Who's this? That's uh, Rudy Sarge. So I heard you guys were talking about me. Oh, we're traveling. Yes, Marcus. It's Rudy Sarzo, oh, one of our birthday goodness. twins, joining us here on our way to the mid-roll break. Uh, <laughs> wow, man! I don't know how you got our number, but we're really glad you did. Welcome to the Imbalance History Podcast. Um, we were talking about the fact that um, you and Graham Parker were born uh, on the same day in the same year, and that makes you birthday twins. It's a little thing we do here on the podcast. That's pretty cool. Do you know him at all? You ever meet him? Yeah, we were, we're, we're actually twins. Uh, our, our <laughs> Real parents, twins? Yeah, yeah. Our parents were um, flying. Uh, their uh, Mom was pregnant, and... Uh, the the plane made an emergency landing in Cuba, and uh, she had us babies. And uh, when they went back on the plane, there was they couldn't carry both of us because there would be an extra load. I, I was a very <laughs> fat little, little little baby boy, so I was left behind. Oh, so you and stayed in Cuba, and then they went on to England. That's right. Yeah. Oh my God! Wow. The truth finally comes out. You're yeah, on the, the podcast, yeah. Marcus. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. What an incredible story. And how did you find out about all of this after so many years? The Ouija board told me. <laughs> the Ouija board. <laughs> That's right. Was that on uh, one of those nights hanging out in the Hollywood Hills that uh, maybe it came out? Yes. When I was with Ozzy, we used to have with the, uh, each guy in the band had a Ouija board in the bunk <laughs> on our tour bus. So after the show, we all like go into our bunks. And consult the Ouija board. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Little Sounds known fun. facts of the road. That's that's right. It, yeah, <laughs> I'm 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 full of uh, little known facts right now. <laughs> Your show. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we found out, um, and partially because you and I connected on LinkedIn, that you're hosting a radio show. What's going on with that? Well, I was not hosting a radio show. I have my own radio show. And uh, which means I still do have my radio show. <laughs> How long have you been doing the six degrees of Rudy Sarzo radio show? Uh, we're on our 70th episode. So I've been doing it for about over two and a half years. And it started out as a podcast. And then it, um, I was asked by Manchester Rock Radio to bring the podcast to their radio station because it's, uh, it, it, it broadcasts. Up until recently, up, up until like maybe two two months or maybe, yeah, a couple of months, 
it was not available for, for streaming and it's still not the whole library is available for streaming. Little by little, we upload it to Spotify now. So if you go to the Monsters of Rock channel on Spotify, you'll be able to hear a selective uh, uh, episode of, of the show. And I say episode is because it's, it's the same format. It's, it's a four-hour show, uh, usually. Every hour, there's two segments of conversation with a special guest. Uh, in, and then within that hour, we include music related to the bands and the artists that, that we get right. to talk about. I started it out as a podcast because I wanted to document as much as possible my, my, my friends and, and, and uh, colleagues that are still with us who can actually speak for themselves rather than some years down the line, they're the only resources that will be available for them. It will be Wikipedia, which is, is the book of lies. I mean, you just any, any source that anybody can contribute to, you know, it's, it's like really appreciated, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, and, and, and don't get me wrong. Sometimes I use it myself as a source of information for, for details about my my special guest, but nevertheless, there, there's, there's a caveat about it. And I always ask them, is it, is it really true? Blah, 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 blah. Because I'm not completely sure that it is <laughs> coming from Wikipedia. Well, being you, you can ask pretty much any of those questions, you know, like, did that really happen? And people will yeah. answer because you're you and you've confessed to, hey, you've already confessed a couple of things to us since you called in to the podcast here. So we appreciate that. And uh, people know that you're, you know, you're not uh, unlike us. You're not full of shit. You're like the you can oh, they I can tell you stuff, and it's going to go. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to go any further than your conversation, right, Rudy? It's not going anywhere on the internet or anything. It's, it, yeah, I mean, they can tell me during the show. I, I guarantee you, nobody's going to hear it. <laughs> Actually, we have uh, an average of half a million listeners. Sweet, uh, that's great. Per, per broadcast. And one thing that I really like about broadcast, you guys and me, if you add up our ages, we're going to, we're, we're, we're being around longer than dirt has been around. So, you know, we've seen it all. Right. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm one of those guys who really understood early on the concept that if you're driving down the freeway and you, and you're listening to your local radio station and, and, and some, uh, something in the air tonight comes on and you look at the car next to you, when that drum fill comes in, we're all doing a, a that pop 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 at the same time, right? right. True. Every single car on the freeway, right? I believe in that. I believe in the power of collective resonance. All of us vibrating at the same frequency thanks to music. Not because of any other opinion, but just the fact that we're all listening to the same song at the same time. You know, and, and, that is something, and you're resonating, yeah. yes, literally yes. resonating at the same yes. frequencies because yeah. of what we're experiencing in common. Yeah, and I believe in the power of that. I believe that that really brings us together. Whereas nowadays, there's so many choices, and people are tuned, they're vibrating at a different frequency going down the freeway, and that's why we have so many more accidents nowadays. That. Could be part of it. I, I was like that theory. That is a good theory. <laughs> I was actually reading a study that a bunch of uh, a bunch of scientists did, where at a concert they studied the crowd, and when the crowd was singing together, their hearts were beating in unison. Yes, and that says yeah. a lot about the power of music and song. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah. So that yeah. goes and, right. And, with you. and having played thousands of shows over, over you know the last forty years, which is when I started in nineteen eighty one with Ozzy Osbourne, you know, I can I can guarantee you that there's nothing more powerful than being than being part of the, of that virtual tribe that is created at every single concert, you know, where everybody is just one big mass of one don't frequency you, vibrating at the same time. And yeah. Rudy, don't you think that that's the thing that we're all missing here in the pandemic 
and, and we we love that sense of community. Uh, yeah, we're missing that, but you know, somehow, some way, you know, I believe that there's an order to the universe. You know, I, I believe in a creator that created the universe, and there's an order to it. Even if you look into math and science, nature, there's an order to everything. You know, even the way that we are designed as human beings. You know, there is the golden ratio and everything that everything in nature basically is designed and, you know, in, in harmony with the golden ratio, you know. And and I believe that somehow if something lacks, if there's if there's a shift in our in our lives, something else will come in to to compensate it. And I think that the fact that you, Marcus, and I can be at separate parts of of the universe <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> having this conversation that we can share with other people in different parts of the universe. And if it's, yeah. uh, if it stays on the internet, it will be there for everybody to enjoy uh, for, for eons. Hopefully. I think that is very powerful. I agree. I agree. Rudy, we could go on for an hour. I, 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 oh, at least. I think we should. Easily. I think we should, but we should set up another time when we can all just yes. kind of just hang out and do yes. this, and maybe have some yeah. other guests on that you might want to invite. Uh, but I yeah. want to thank you yeah. for confirming not only that you know and have met Graham Parker, that he is indeed more than just your birthday twin, that he is your actual twin, and for clarifying the manner in which your births were separate. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing the things you can learn here on the podcast. Yeah. Rudy but Sarzo. But unfortunately, since we were separated at birth, we have not seen each other since. So uh, you haven't even played any festivals truth. together or anything by chance? No. <laughs> 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 it has not yet happened. Well, Marcus, that's never happened before where we were talking about someone and they actually checked in during the episode in progress. Uh, Rudy Sarzo joining us on here. And I noticed that you have some different gear that you're wearing this week. Uh, I'm looking through my Zoom window at you now and I see that new equipment we've been talking about from AKG, right? Oh, yeah. This new AKG equipment is so nice. As radio professionals, we're familiar with the AKG microphones and the AKG headphones because we've used them in the studios. And the studio we work at now has an AKG. For as long as I've been here in Philadelphia, we've used AKG. And recently, I acquired the AKG Lyra microphone with the headphones and... It's a really nice mic. It gives you the option of using front and back. It gives you the option of using tight or wide, which means you're either in close or you get a little bit more range to step back off of the mic. So it gives which, you... I think that helps a lot of people doing podcasts, especially because they're not lifelong uh, microphone technique guys or gals like we are after doing radio for so long. I also like the look of it, to tell you the truth. The mic looks kind of cool, and um, their headphones, you know, being part of Harmon Carden, I'm sure it sounds delicious in your ears right now. Even you sound like ear candy in these <laughs> headphones, Ray. So, Marcus, I think a lot of people would just like the way that it's kind of plug and play for making your own podcast, working off your phone. There's a whole different way you can do it, all different ways to record podcasts. But I think if you're uh, trying to start out with some good equipment and you're trying to start a podcast, it's a pretty cool set. AKG Lyra, huh? Sounds good. Yeah, the AKG Lyra microphone, it's so easy to use and set up. You don't need all the fancy soundboard equipment or any of that. You can plug it right into your laptop. Well, we're bouncing into the new year, and there's always a lot going on at Crooked Eye Brewery right there in the heart of Hatboro, York, and Montgomery. A great place to go and get the finest brews in the Philadelphia area. Right, Marcus? Yes, they are. And if you like a dark beer, this is the season for something like their Black Eyed Stout. Fantastic. My favorite of all their beers, even though I've tried many of them. Go right into the brew pub right there in the heart of Hatboro and see what's on the board. Take a taste of the stout or anything else and uh, take some home with you, even if you're staying for a pint. And the entertainment's coming back, too. Tony Washington and... And the Tuesday Night Blues Jam has been starting to happen again. A lot more things happening in real time, live in the pub, and also sent out via the uh, the Facebook page for Crooked Eye Brewery. Live entertainment returning to Crooked Eye. 
as we get closer and closer to full normal resume at some point. And whatever's going on with that, you can find out on their social media, especially on Facebook, Crook and I Brewery, a great place, a neighborhood joint, so to speak. Hepper, you're so lucky because you can just take a walk over anytime and grab a pint of Crooked Eye. I'm jealous. I got to drive. <laughs> <laughs> and if you mention the imbalanced history of rock and roll, you get a free 10-ouncer. It's like a big taster. Hello, may I please have my free 10-ouncer because I listen to the imbalanced history of rock and roll. And we thank Crooked Eye Brewery for their support. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well... I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything factor meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. Back and refreshed after the break, I'm Ray Koob with Marcus, and we're talking about birthday twins, and you kind of put it together really well in the first half, talking about how the whole thing kind of came together and how it works. The thing is, when we really start looking at things, we found some amazing connections, people who were born on the same day and the same year, and in this case, two sets of birthday twins born just four days apart, November 18th in the first half, talking about Rudy Sarzo and Graham Parker, and here in part two of this episode, Born on November 22nd, 1950, the one and only Miami Steve, Stephen Van Zant, <laughs> and the absolutely one and only Tina Weymouth from Talking Heads at Tom Tub Club, both born on the same day in different parts of the universe. Uh, one born on the left coast, one born on the east coast. And as we talked about in our discussions with uh, Tina's husband, Chris France, um, she was uh, a Navy kid. Uh, she's the daughter of U.S. Navy Vice Admiral Ralph Weymouth, her mom, uh, Laura, and born in California. And she moved around a lot, ended up in art school where she met Chris and David, and later on, of course, they met uh, Mr. Jerry Harrison, and Talking Heads was born, later Tom Tom Club, but there she is, born in California. Meanwhile, on the same date, in Winthrop, Massachusetts, Stephen Lento is born. Stephen Lento? Who's Stephen Lento? Little Stephen Lento. Ah, now, little Stephen Lento. His mom, Mary, was Lento, and became Mary Van Zant. He's part Italian. His grandfather was from Calabria, and his grandmother's parents were from Naples. So that's a that's a good mix. Napoli. From the from the boot, you know? Napoli. See, his mom, Mary, remarried in 1957, and he took the name of his stepfather, which was William Brewster Van Zant. So then they moved to Middletown, New Jersey, when he was seven, and that's where little Stephen became little Stephen. New Jersey gave him a nickname that stuck with him his whole life, kind of like Bono Vox of O'Connell Street. Yes. <laughs> well, he actually got a couple nicknames along the way because First of all, he was Stephen Van Zant, but uh, he was known as Miami Steve and also as Little Stephen because he did Little Stephen and the Disciples of Soul kind of became his uh, his band for quite a while there and made quite an impact on his own. Uh, as Miami Steve, he was worked his way in and out of the E Street band for a lot of years before you know realizing in his post Sopranos years that's a whole nother discussion that being a member of the E Street band and as much time and energy as it requires to do that is a great thing to have for your whole life 
he and Bruce were doing that little adjacent dance thing in the Asbury scene. But legend has it that when Bruce came up empty on the horns for 10th Avenue Freeze Out, that Steve went in, and uh, and that's where he became part of the E Street crew and has been in and out through the centuries. <laughs> uh, True. whole thing about his birth situation and his mom remarrying and taking his stepfather's name i never knew that and i've been lucky enough to meet steve Uh, he uh was on mgk or still is and a whole bunch of other radio stations doing his radio show uh the underground garage which is a great listen if you'd love to listen to deep tracks and uh 60 singles and missed hits and phase cookies as the stones would call them steven's got it all covered and his love of the ramones is uh second to none so it's a lot of fun to listen to that at any time but i found out a lot of things along the way he was a total uh british invasion kid which explained a lot because to him to end up being friends with paul mccartney and ringo Starr was probably about as cool as it could be if you think about it he formed a lot of bands being a an italian quiet kid is kind of a contradiction if you think about it <laughs> so at middletown high school maybe that's where he sprouted because uh, he really came into his own as a teenager starting bands and just one of the coolest guys actor billy van zandt i didn't know this is his half-brother did not know that. And an actress, Adrian Barbeau, is his ex-sister-in-law. I was like, what? These are the things you learn when you go, you know, diving around and looking around. So, And he worked with Southside Johnny a lot. He wrote, uh, I don't want to go home and stuff like that for those guys. And Him and Bruce got to be tight. And like I said, he found his way in, and they start to know each other. They'd see each other at clubs in town. Uh, Van Zandt was playing. Bruce walks into this club. I think they said it was the Hullabaloo in Middletown, and Steve's playing. The, the Turtles happy together with his band, the Shadows, who were like the hot band. Then. And then they would be in Steel Mill and the Bruce Springsteen band, the predecessor to the E Street band together, and just connected in ways. Even when they were apart, they were still connected. They were still friends, and working together for the history of rock and roll future. Yeah, how can you not be a fan of Little Steven? I got to meet him once when he came by to talk to Andre at MGK, and he signed my uh, one of my my one album I have of his forever. I remember seeing that video on MTV as a young teenager and being blown away by it. <laughs> Just really liking the song, his feel, the way he played the whole album. And I can't believe I'm drawing a blank on the album name right now, but that was an album in the 80s I listened to quite a bit. I've gotten to see him play with Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Bands a few times. What, what album were you talking about? Because you got lost there. I'm his solo album, that. hold on. The one with Forever. Uh, the one with Forever, his solo album. You know, man, we all hit walls, so it's okay. I'm going to I'm gonna save you. Stop hurting yourself. Ouch. Remember, remember the research team is is back so we can send them a note and say hey guys go find this out for me okay now i remember the song hold on they're back with the uh text wait a minute let me forward this over to you what's the album men without women and one of the things (laughs) that actually and you're gonna laugh at this too but one of the things that drew me to him was the bandana that he wore on the head because i used to love wearing my do-rag that way and i'm like oh that guy's totally fucking cool he's yeah. wearing his do-rag the right way i wonder if he wears his boxers hanging out of his shorts too <laughs> well we would find out a clue or two on that 
when he goes into acting, right? He goes out to audition for the role of Tony Soprano. When he went in, he was auditioning to be Tony. Perfect look. And apparently they, they liked what they saw, but apparently the uh, brass, you know, the people who put out a lot of the money, I guess, said they wanted a more experienced actor in that role because Stephen really was new to acting. Baciamo Limani. Uh, so, uh, salute. Uh, salute. Salute. Hey, so, what? What? I've been going a long time. Let me hear it. Just when they thought I was out, they pulled me back in. <laughs> <laughs> so they wrote a new part for him, and that's the part of Silvio Dante, who's the right-hand man. And they gave Maureen a part. His uh, Steve's wife uh, is his wife, and The Sopranos is one of the greatest thing. They're on set together, <laughs> working together all those years on it. That is something that creates a whole different cultural level of impact for Steve. I was talking to Patsy. Sounds like chrissy has got a little Napoleon thing going on. Yeah? Good. Right. Of course. Nobody's denying his leadership abilities. So what's the problem? It's just, uh... I don't know. Patsy feels bad. Maybe he was passed over. So what the fuck do you care? Last year you were pushing me to take him out. Yeah, I'm just saying with the change of rank and all, maybe he feels... Marginalized. Marginalized? What the fuck does that even mean? There's something about being on that kind, that level of a TV program, the impact that you make in the culture. It transcends other things, including being on stage in front of thousands and thousands of people every night. So put your face out there and no one that I know who's ever watched the show doesn't have at least one or two Silvio lines that they use when they're having fun and joking around. I did not watch The Sopranos. I am not a big fan of mobster uh, TV shows. I don't dislike them, but it just ain't my thing. I remember him also more from the Sun City documentary and the artists against apartheid and that movement. I was really active in my synagogue at that time, so those type of issues were issues that were really important to me. And that documentary is pretty badass. If you haven't seen it, check it out. And I wish I could have watched it before we recorded this session again. It shows how talented little Steven is, not only as a musician, but as a well-rounded creative individual. Well, if you didn't watch The Sopranos, you probably didn't watch his next venture, which kind of fell out of The Sopranos. That's Lilyhammer, which is about a guy who gets put into the witness protection program and lives in Norway. I've only seen a couple episodes of it because it, it kind of disappeared as I started to watch it. And that's one of those things I want to get done. And if you didn't see him in Lilyhammer, which he, by the way, was executive producer for, uh, you definitely didn't see him in The Irishman. Tony told the old man to tell me to tell you. It's what it is. Where it is. It's what it is. <laughs> Where he makes an appearance in that Martin Scorsese produced gangster epic as uh, Jerry Vale. I don't have any comment about your position on gangster movies because it's all movies. Yeah, and if we're going to have yeah. get into that, then I got to be against uh, a lot of the horror movies that are out there. And I also understand that one of the reasons why The Sopranos is an acquired taste and something you got to be able to accept. It's still just a story, but there's some graphic shit that goes on. You know, it's no more graphic than shows like Game of Thrones or Vampire. What was it? Um, That vampire, that blood movie, the the vampire movie that took place in uh, New Orleans, Something Blood. True Blood. I don't know why. I love the Godfather movies very much, but... I don't know. I just, I think my tastes have changed over the years. This is why we need to do five favorites everything. Okay. We really do. We really do. Because they would be very different completely. It would be fun. sparkling personality gets him signed up for a weekly syndicated radio show called Little Steven's Underground Garage. Where realists dream of the unreal, beatniks at their bawdiest, the creative urge at its most primitive. For those of you with heart conditions, 
or who are with young and impressionable children, we ask that you turn around in your seats. Alive! It's alive! It's... Little Steven's Underground Garage. Underground Garage. Underground Garage. Underground Garage. It's on a bunch of stations around the country, including uh, WMGK in Philadelphia on Sunday nights here. He is a character unto himself, but as part of the E Street Band chemistry and what they mean to the world, he's a pretty large figure in my book and what his contributions have been internally to that band as kind of like Bruce's kind of concierge, right? He's, he's a consigliere. <laughs> he's the boss's and, consigliere. And his band leader. Like he kind of <laughs> does all those kind of things. Oh, don't worry. I got a boss. That's one half of our birthday twins, born on November 22nd, 1950. The other half, Martina Michelle Weymouth. And we mentioned she was born on the left coast, Coronado, California. Uh, is there an Air Force base there? Probably, probably. probably that's I think San Diego if I'm not mistaken that's in the San Diego area I mean she starts life there but uh, like a lot around. of people that we know that are Navy kids or Air Force kids you move around a lot and she did that we touched on it earlier she finds herself there in school Chris and her meet as they're forming a band and other things are swirling in the world of CBGB's and everything else punk rock in New York City he is wooing her and wooing her against all suitors, as he described it mm -hmm. in uh, our interview with Chris France, and wins her heart and her hand. And now they've been married coming up on 44 years of marriage. Uh, one of the great rock and roll couples. And Chris was on with us, and he told us that Tina's getting ready to write her book. Yay! She may even have it written, but he did not reveal that. I think she's got it close to being published because I think it's supposed to be out in 2021. Not His and hers bestsellers. Come on, man. That would be amazing. Couple bestsellers talking about their relationship and the band from two different perspectives. It's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Her family's a very creative family in general. They're both parents, even though he was a structured military man, was very supportive of the arts. And you have to look, her brother Jan designed the uh, Salvador Dali uh, Museum. He's the architect oh, who that. designed that. So wow. that's so they're very encouraging because Chris said that about his parents, too, who are also Navy, right? Yeah. And uh, so it's something that we're learning about life is military adjacent life. And it's nice to see that, like we talked about before. Yes. And then, of course, you know, she goes and hooks up with those guys at Rhode Island School of Design, which, you know, they all speak highly of their experience there. And uh, Talking Heads, uh, Compass Point All-Stars, Tom Tom Club, we talked about them plenty on this podcast recently. And I'm not sure, I would have loved to got her on here to find out first if she ever met Stephen Van Zandt. I'm going to guess and, yes. Um, I would love to know. And I know you reached out to Chris uh, before we, we recorded today. And if we find out anything, or we, we'll add it in an update uh, online somewhere sometime. Absolutely. That's what we do. That's what we do. Absolutely. I'm going to guess that they've shared a stage at a festival, and I'm going to guess that they have met at events. And I'm trying to think, because they've all been involved in, in some form of activism over the decades as well, so their paths could have crossed that way, too. Two impressive pedigrees and two great musicians who have had a huge impact on the direction of rock and roll differently post-punk before there was post-punk new wave before there was new wave that's the talking heads talking heads e street band both in the rock and roll hall of fame both bands these members these birthday twins impact that that both bands are impacted and are different with different people involved and therefore the connection becomes a Hall of Fame connection, something that we're starting to see, too, as we start talking more and more about different sets of birthday twins. Absolutely. And By the way, Chris and Tina, together since that mid-'70s period, married since 77, two sons. And if you follow Chris on Facebook, you can see their view of the world daily, almost. He just recently posted uh, this picture that he does from their deck um, on the pond that they live near. And he did it for a whole year. And he didn't do every day, but he took all the ones that he did post over the year and turned it into a big uh, file of all pictures of his day there in Connecticut. And we're happy to know it. We look forward to her book. And maybe one of these days, Silvio Dante will write his book. Huh? <laughs> 
Does that he have time? Does he have time to write a book? You know, at a time when you think guys would be slowing down a little bit and, and, and taking it easy, the talking heads are talking about possibly reuniting for road work after the pandemic and things are clear. Bruce is sitting everything out for this year while they wait for things to clear going out in 2022. That's the plan. He's got other stuff coming, but, you know, they're not going to tour this year. And who would have ever thought but Rudy Sarzo himself checking in on the podcast. Very funny fellow, uh, that Rudy Sarzo. Yeah, can you believe that he was so in tune with our frequency and our energy? that he knew to pick up the phone and call us while we were recording who'd have thunk it not me <laughs> i'm just glad it happened thank you universe thank and you. thank you rudy sarzo and don't forget you can find him uh, on the monsters of rock radio network it's the six degrees of rudy sarzo and from talking to him for just a few minutes i can't wait to get him here for a full episode on the podcast looking forward to it we got email from Jefe Tenejo, who is a huge fan of the Imbalance History of Rock and Roll. We thank you, Jefe, for your comments on our Facebook page. Uh, and he sent us a note saying, I've been enjoying your podcast the last couple months. I was just searching rock music history and found yours. That's interesting. I guess we named it right. Mm -hmm. You seem open to ideas, and after hearing your top five Christmas songs, I thought it would be interesting to hear your pick-me-up songs. Oh, your pick-me-up songs. Okay. Uh, music and mental health, suicide prevention, unpopular topics that require rock and roll size cajones to take on. Oh, I think we've proven we've got those cajones, Jefe. Yeah, we will uh, take it on. And his, here is my uh, Keep the Spirit of Christmas Alive all year long playlist. And he, and he hit me with a link to a Spotify playlist, which I'll put up. Yeah, um, we'll put it up. We'll tweet it sure. out. So, dude, thank you for finding us. And thanks for sending that email. And thanks for being an active part of what we do here. We'll have to come up with a five favorite uh, pick-me-up pick songs. I can do write it. The, I can write do that ten one right down. now. All right. We're going to write it down. And we're going to make that an episode soon, my friend. Thanks, Sarah Hefe, for the uh, input. We do appreciate it. That's what you do. You send us an email at imbalancehistory at gmail.com. When we started Birthday Twins, we thought we'd do a couple and see how it goes. We're up to five, six pairs if you count both in this episode. But it's uh, Birthday Twins number five here on the podcast. And it's been a lot of fun learning about each and every one of these musicians in a different way, but trying to dig into their musical histories to find out if they're connected is even more exciting and more challenging. You really get into that. You really do. I do, because you get to be a detective in a way. Well, that should do it for this episode of Birthday Twins. We have more. We have a good list more. Uh, so we'll get to more Birthday Twins down the line. But that's it for this episode. Thanks for Joining us here on the Pantheon Podcast Network, a production of Dark Dark Media. I'm Ray Coop. I'm Marcus in the Darkest. And we present the imbalanced history of rock and roll. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family. The money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, the Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at IntoHistory.com.